Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is today's Bible class, a short Bible study, about 13 minutes each day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and thereby helping us to stay strong and even grow stronger in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. It also helps keep us focused on our spiritual lives, on our relationship with God, about our soul's salvation. Help other people in your life probably some within your own family, who need to turn their lives around, who need to turn the, f- the focus of their life around. Help them by sharing these short studies with them every day through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody ultimately get to heaven by getting them into these studies every day. What a great blessing that will be for them but also a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study that says, God says, but I think, and again, we've made the point that a whole lot of people, they, instead of accepting what God says and simply applying that to their lives faithfully, They change what God says, what God commands through his word with what they think or with what they want. And so that's no longer God's word then. Once they've changed it, it becomes their word, not God's. But God has given us his word. When we look in the scriptures, that's God speaking to us. Now, some people, they're looking for some still small voice in the night, or they're listening for, uh, looking for a whispering in their ear, or they're listening, or they're looking for some strange feeling to sweep over their physical bodies, they're looking for some emotional, you know, happening or whatever. God gives us his word in the scriptures, in the Bible. When we read scripture, that is God speaking to us over and over and over again. The scriptures begin by saying something along the line, and God said, or the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, that writer, or thus says the Lord, over and over again. And so we cannot change it and still be right with God. When the churches of Galatia, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, when Paul addresses them and says, "I'm, I'm amazed that so soon after hearing the gospel, becoming Christians, you're allowing some false teachers to come in and, and, and teach you a different gospel. And Paul says, let me tell you, that's not a different gospel. It's a perverted gospel. Because once again, when you change God's word, it's no longer God's word. It's your word. Well, so the principle we laid out, God says, but I think that's an invalid principle. You don't, you don't have God's wisdom. You don't have God's knowledge. God is all-knowing, all-seeing. God is all-powerful, and God is the creator and therefore the authority behind how we need to live our lives and be right with him. He has that home in heaven waiting for us if we will live by his teachings, by what he says in scripture. Well, we looked at how God's word says there is one true church. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, Jesus said that he is going to build his church, not churches, not his denomination, or not the denominational system, which has incredibly divided 
quote-unquote Christianity. He says, I'm going to build my church. And the Apostle Paul identified the church in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, as the body of Christ. And then in chapter 4 of that same letter, Paul says there is one body. Now, he's already identified that body as being the church. Well, God's Word says that he wants us to worship him in specific ways. But, you know, I think any way that feels good to me, that makes me feel good, that ought to be okay. If my heart is right, well, if your heart is right, you're going to worship God in the ways that he has instructed you to worship him in his word. That's what God says he wants you to incorporate into your worship of him. So in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, Jesus said that God is looking for us. In fact, he says that we must worship him in spirit and truth. Truth, not just make it up on our own, not just whatever feels good to us, not however we want to worship God, but we are to worship him in truth. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, it talks about upon the first day of the week. Every week has a first day. It's not a specific week that's designated there. It's upon the first day of the week. The disciples came together to partake of the Lord's Supper, to break bread. The same kind of wording as we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2, upon the first day of the week. Let's lay something aside. In other words, worship God in giving. Now, this is a subject that I brought up to people a number of times in Bible studies, and I think pretty much invariably it catches them completely by surprise because they've never considered any other way. If you ask somebody, does your church in their song service, do they use instrumental music? And then you say, where did they get the authority from God's word? Where did God's word say to do that for the New Testament church, for the Christian church? And they're completely dumbfounded. They have never thought about it because that's all they've ever seen. That's all they've ever known. What about a choir? Where, where does a choir come from? For the church. Now, don't talk to me about something in heaven. That's, that's a different realm. That's a spiritual realm. What about the church right here? What, what does the scripture, what does, does God say through the scriptures about worshiping him in song? Well, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, the Apostle Paul wrote this, and this is God's word. So this is what God says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It does not say singing and making melody on a piano or an organ or upon a band or a guitar or upon, uh, you know, a small orchestra. No. And it doesn't say let a choir be appointed to do your singing. It says speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And a similar verse of Scripture is found in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, So as a true worshiper of God, 
I'm supposed to sing those songs myself, not have a choir sing to me or for me. I'm supposed to teach and speak to and admonish all those gathered with me on that occasion of worship through the words and the meanings and the messages conveyed in those songs. And songs are meaningful messages and teachings. In some cases, they're even prayers. I'm supposed to speak. I'm supposed to teach. I'm supposed to admonish. To whom? One another. And they're supposed to do the same to me. And how am I supposed to do that through those songs? I'm supposed to sing. I'm supposed to make the melody in my heart. You never find anywhere in the New Testament any scripture that talks about the New Testament church on this earth using instrumental music in their worship to God or having a choir sing in worship to God. But in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 12, we read about how the church, how we as Christians are to offer the sacrifice, we're to offer I'm sorry, verse 15, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. We are to offer the sacrifice of praise to God, and that is the fruit of our lips. We do that through singing. That's one way we fulfill that particular instruction in the Scriptures, which means that's God teaching us, God telling us what he wants from us. Well, let's move on. God's word says, so this is God speaking to us. He's telling us, God says, because his word is his word. So God says, baptism is by immersion. But you know, I think sprinkling's more convenient or, or pouring, that should be okay. Or, you know, I even think that it's okay just as, you know, for the priest or whoever's going to perform the ceremony to dip his finger in some water and just rub it on my forehead. I don't have to get my, I don't have to get wet. I don't have to get my hair wet. I don't have to change clothes. Well, see, that's you speaking now or some denominational church speaking, but that's not God speaking. The very word baptism in the Greek, and again, the New Testament was written in Koine Greek, is the word baptizo. And it means Immerse, submerge, bury, plunge, dip. There's even an occasion from literature of that day where it talked about a a ship sinking and it said the ship was baptized. The word does not mean sprinkling or pouring. There are different Greek words for that. So I need to simply go by what God's word says. Baptism is by immersion. In fact, when you look in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, the parallel on the spiritual realm is very clear. Paul says, therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Jesus was literally buried in that tomb, in the ground, and he literally came forth from it, risen. As we are plunged beneath the waters of baptism, we are buried with him on a spiritual level, 
as he was buried in that tomb and as he came forth from that grave made alive or risen, we come forth as we rise up out of that water reborn spiritually. As Jesus said must happen in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Read the text. We also note in Colossians in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12 that the Apostle Paul uses this same imagery. And he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong verse again here. I apologize. Uh, 2 and verse 12, chapter 2 and verse 12. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Do you see the parallel there again? The comparisons that Paul is making? Buried with him in baptism. We know what happens when you bury somebody. You don't pour a little water over their head. You don't rub a little, rather, a little dirt over their head. You don't rub a little dirt on their forehead. You don't sprinkle a little dirt on their face. You cover them up in the ground, buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When we're baptized, buried in those waters, we are going down, we're, we're, we're being buried because we're dead in our sins. And as we are plunged beneath the waters of baptism, that's when we contact the blood of Christ that cleanses us from the guilt of our sins. And we're going to talk about that more next time. What God says rather than what I think. Let's pray. Father, Help us to recognize the truth of your word and submit our will to your will by living by the teachings of your word. Because help us to understand the fullness of what your son, our Lord and Savior, said when he said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Help us to understand we cannot change your truth, the truth of your word, and still be right with you. Guide us in this. Please be patient. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.